high, I want you to repeat after me. Say, this is God's word. Come on, church, say it with conviction. This is God's word. Not Pastor Evans' word. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be who it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, who not only died for our sins, but has risen again from the dead and is sitting at your right hand, interceding for his church even now. I thank you for the word that you have planted inside of my heart. I step back now so the spirit of God can minister on your behalf. And I pray now that our hearts and our minds and our our souls are ready to receive the incorruptible word that is able to save our soul. And so I declare in advance that this word today is going to bring signs, miracles and wonders into our lives. As a result of your word, and it's in Jesus' name I pray, let everybody say amen. Amen, amen. amen. God bless you. You may be seated. We're in a series entitled Vision for the Next Level. Everybody say vision for the next level. Vision is needed if you're going to succeed in any area of your life or break levels in your life. You need to have vision. And so the main purpose that I've been doing this series for is to provide you with insight and understanding of what the vision is here at Word of Truth Family Church and what your job or what your role is in bringing that vision to pass. As a matter of fact, the vision of Word of Truth Family Church is what? To know Christ and to what? And to make Him known. And I'm specifically preparing you as a church mentally for us to move physically. Now, the second reason I'm teaching this series is so I can help you see how important it is for you to have vision for your life. Touch your neighbor and say, you need to have vision for your life. And in doing so, I'm going to be, of course, providing practical steps on how to establish vision for you, for your family, and for your business. And so if you're taking notes this morning, my title is, It's Time to Revision. It's time to revision. And the purpose of today's message is to help you see that it's time to do a revision or we would say revision for your life so that you can position yourself to see the new things that God is about to do. I believe with all of my heart, God is about to do some new things. And if you're not in position to see it, you will miss it. Amen. So if you have your Bibles, go to Proverbs 29. That has been our foundational verse for the series. And then we're going to go over to Isaiah chapter 43, verse 18. Now we define the word vision to mean mental sight, revelation, or dream. Everybody say mental sight, revelation, or dream. We've learned so far that vision is designed to do three things. It's designed to bring direction, clarity, and focus. Everybody say direction, clarity, and focus. 
In other words, distraction is just the result of broken focus. So if you find yourself distracted in any way, it's only because you've allowed your focus to be broken. Now, uh, the definition of revision, or I call it revision, and I'll, say, I'll, I'll explain that in just a second. When you look the word revision up in the dictionary, it means to amend, to improve, or to update. To amend, to approve, and to update. And if you have a, a you know, I don't know too much about uh, Android phones, but I have an iPhone. And one of the things about iPhones, what they do every now and then is, is that they will send you uh, a link so that you can do an update, a software update on your phone. And that's what a revision is. And many times we update our resumes, we update our education, we update our business portfolios, but rarely do we take the time to do a revision and an improvement of our lives. And you may be thinking, well, Pastor, those things you just named actually improve our lives. And I, and I don't say that they don't, but here's the problem. Those things that I just mentioned mostly improve the financial areas of our lives. And I know, you know, what some of you all may be thinking. Well, if I just had more money, I wouldn't have any problems in, in, your, in my life. Well, I, 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 I differ to that because uh, uh, more money can bring more problems. You say, well, Pastor, I just like to have a lot of problems. Well, you have some now. I'm telling you, if, if I decided, if I was a billionaire and decided to make you one and, and decided, hey, I'm going to give you a billion dollars, and you say, ooh, that'll just wipe out my debt out. I'll just have a good time. My life is going to be good. And then I told you, but I have to publish it on every TV station, every radio station that I gave you the money. Your life would not be happy because everybody in your family will find you. Amen. So uh, let, me, let me say it this way. Jesus said in Matthew 16, 26, For what is it profited a man if he gains the whole world and lose his soul? And that's what we see today. Most people who are successful in most cases, they're driven by money, and money alone won't bring fulfillment. It might satisfy in certain areas, that it, but it doesn't bring fulfillment. And that's what purpose is all about. Purpose brings fulfillment. Everybody say purpose brings fulfillment. And that's why I started the series, because the whole series, uh, I started out by saying vision is needed because in Proverbs 29, 18, it says where there is no vision, people perish. So without vision in our lives, then we have no focus. We have no success. And so we've discovered so far, and I'm just updating everybody, that vision for our lives should start with us understanding that vision that God has for us. In other words, if you're going to start having vision for your life, don't start with the goals of what you want to achieve. Don't start there. Because if you start with that, you can end up going in the opposite direction of where God wants you to go. If you're going to start writing vision for your life, you start vision with your life with the vision that God has for you. Will you say, well, pastor, why? Because true vision, everybody say true vision. True vision in life starts with the manufacturer's viewpoint of why something was created. And so we started in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10. It says uh, that we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. In other words, we discovered that the word created in Ephesians there means to manufacture. 
So God has manufactured us to do good works. So if you do not start the vision for your life with God's vision for your life, which is for you to do some good works, then listen, you might do some work, but might not do some good works. Now, we discovered there are two types of, of, of works. You have natural good works, and then you, or I call them worldly good works, and that's probably some of what you all do every day when you go to work. You're doing good works. You're pro- providing a service, or you're helping pr- create a product that people can use, and that's, that's not bad. But those are just good works. Everybody say good works. But then you have spiritual good works, or what I call kingdom good works. And these are spiritual good works that are connected to eternal life. And those are the good works that God has created us in Christ Jesus to do. So if you're going to start your life out with some vision, if you're going to start 2019 differently, start out with the fact that I'm going to now envision my life the way God does, and I'm going to make a decision now that I'm not just going to do some good works in 2019, I'm going to do some kingdom works. Amen. Now, the second thing we learned about vision is that we must write vision down. And then when we write it down, it must be clear. The principle was found in Habakkuk chapter 2. It said, write the vision, make it plain upon tables that he may run that read it. For the vision is for an appointed time. Everybody say an appointed time. But at the end, that vision will speak. It will not lie, though it tarry. Wait for it because it, the vision, will surely come. It will not tarry. And that's where our church is right now. Unfortunately, God does not do everything overnight. I wish he would. But he does not do everything uh, overnight. And so here's a take-home statement. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Make patience your friend or time will become your enemy. I'm going to say that again. Make patience your friend or time will become your enemy. See, patience is one of the things that you and I need to inherit the promises that God has made. The Bible says that it's through faith and patience that we inherit the promises. So many of us, we want the promises of God, but we don't want to wait for them. Now touch your neighbor and say, he on your street right now. Go on and tell them. I started telling you, Word of Truth Family Church, the vision that God wanted us to build our first building and not buy our first building in 2008. So the vision was written by God and explained by me. The vision was found in 2 Samuel chapter 7 verse 10. It says, moreover, I will appoint a place for my people, and I put word of truth in there, and I will plant them that they may dwell in a place of their own and move no more. Neither shall the children of wickedness afflict them any more as before time. In other words, ain't nobody going to tell us to get out no more. We won't have to move to another school no more. We don't have to worry about having to leave because somebody's doing a renovation no more. We don't have to worry about all the criticism and hate that sure some of your friends and your families have gotten to say, you still at that school, they keep it. They ain't treating your money right. See, all that, all that is foolishness. And let me tell you something. God told me something when I was standing here worshiping this morning. He says, as soon as we move in the building, some of that affliction, especially some of what you're going through in your life, is going to stop. I'm going to say that again. See, some of you all don't realize you're going through some things because you're part of a body that's moving in a positive direction. Listen, movement in itself creates friction. 
And a prophet told me two weeks ago, he says, Pastor, the enemy's mad at you. And he's mad at your church because you didn't just, y'all didn't just buy a building and y'all didn't just buy some land. He says, you have dug into the earth. You have taken, listen, territory from the enemy. Amen. So faith without works is dead. So I began to look for some land and that's where our project started. Uh, Project 360 because the land is right off of uh, Highway 360. And so we found 14 acres off the highway. We bought it. Then we purchased with cash. Everybody say with cash. We purchased with cash the six acres that we have just completed uh, uh, construction on. And uh, we built our first building. And Nick, this coming week, we're going to finish. Amen. Amen. So what I want to do is to help you see today that God is wanting to do something new in your life which is going to require you to do a revision everybody say a revision let's look at some very you know this go to Isaiah 43 let's go to Isaiah 43 this is a a known verse in the Bible that I want to go over because uh, I believe most people end up in a rut they end up with a humdrum life because they don't take the time to go back to God on what his, uh, his next step is for their lives. Isaiah 43 verse 18 says, remember you not the former things. Don't, don't listen. Let that old relationship go. You are divorced. Why are you still dwelling on Tyrone? Or Tamika? You thinking about them, being mad, stewing over them is not going to change things. He said, forget those former things, neither consider the things of old. Watch verse 19. Behold, this is God speaking. Read it with me. I will do a a what? A new thing. When did he say he's going to do it? Now it's going to spring forth. And then he says, shall you not know it? You know what that says? God can start doing some new things and you not even know it because your spiritual antennas are not up. Now, I love the NIRV version of that verse. It says, I am about to do something new. It is beginning to happen even now. Don't you see it coming? I am going to make a way for you to go through the desert and I will make streams of water in the dry and empty land. What's amazing is when we were invited to go to Israel this year, Israel is nothing but a lot of dry desert. That's really what it is. It's amazing how anything can grow in that place. And uh, as we were doing some touring, uh, we got to a place and there's nothing but rocks and sand and rocks and sand. And we stopped at this place. It was like a, a tourist gathering kind of place. And, and uh, it was rocks and sand. And uh, that's where we went. But a lot of people had like towels and bathing suits. And I'm like, where are these people going? Are they going to bathe in the sand? Well, they took you through a little journey and out of nowhere is a, a waterfall in the middle of the desert. How many know that's how God works? In the middle. And he's saying he's going to make a way in the wilderness. And if you're going through a desert, he says, I will call streams of water to appear. And what's interesting, this word new, when he says I'm going to do a new thing, it means fresh and new. You don't need a new marriage. You just need some refreshing. 
Come on, that person you married is still in there. They're in there somewhere. So new to God doesn't always mean new, but it, it can also mean fresh. In fact, write down Job 29, 20, because in that verse, this word new comes up. He says, my glory was fresh in me and my bow was renewed in my hands. The word fresh there is the same Hebrew word in Isaiah 43, the word new. So when he says, I'm going to do a new thing, he says, I'm going to do a fresh thing. Amen. Now, the word fresh in the same Hebrew, uh, those two words are interchangeable. So here is where I believe most people have gone wrong when it comes to God doing a new thing. Most people assume that this new thing that God wants to do is all about them. When it's really all about God and all about people. Amen. In other words, a new thing will always be about God and will always benefit others and then us. I'm going to say that again. New thing, a new thing, everybody say a new thing. A new thing will always be about God and will always benefit others and then me. And that's how not most of us don't view new things that God wants to do. Oh, he wants to do a new thing in my life. See, you done made it about you. But when God's trying to do something new, it's not about you. He just wants to use you. Now, recently God said something to me, you know, uh, I have many pastor friends and preachers and they, they say to me, Pastor Evan, aren't you excited about your building? And my response has been the same. I said, I'm not enjoying the process. I'm just enduring the process. I said, if I had to do it all over again, I wouldn't even want to do it again. I mean, it's just been challenging for me. And so last week, uh, two weeks ago, the Lord said to me, he says, Evan, uh, you know why the reason... Uh, you have not enjoyed the process. I said, well, uh, your insight will help me. He said, uh, it's because your perspective of why you're doing it needs to be revised. See, I built this building because God told me to. Basically, I'm obeying God. But the perspective in obeying God that I was missing was the fact that with that building, there are millions of people that whose lives could be changed me there could be family thousands of families whose families will be restored there'll be generations that not, are not even here that will be impacted because we built that building he says if you would have just viewpointed through how i see it out of all these people's lives being changed you would do it again with joy and I thought, wow, what a perspective. I mean, I was doing it. I was obeying God. But the perspective that I was really missing was the fact of what that building was going to do. I knew it was going to do it, but it wasn't my focus. Amen. Amen. So here's the thing. There are three things. When God wants to do something new or fresh, there are three things that will happen. Here's number one. I want you to write this down if you're taking notes. Actually, it's four. It will always, number one, challenge your obedience. Anytime God wants to do something new, anytime God wants to do something fresh in your life, I'm telling you right now, the first thing it's going to do, it is going to challenge your obedience. Amen. God asked Abraham to sacrifice his son. How many know that was hard for Abraham? The second thing something new or fresh will do is that it will always stretch your faith. 
the Bible says without faith, it is impossible to please God. So when God is trying to do something new in your life, just expect your faith to be stretched. In other words, you're not going to always feel comfortable with what God is telling you to do. You're not going to always see everything you need to have for you to do it. God does not give it all to you up front or you don't need faith. God will give you more along the way than you had from when you started. But he's not going to give you that more until you start. Here's number three. It will always bring fulfillment. There's nothing like you doing what God has called you to do. It will bring fulfillment in your life. And then here's number four. It will always be a blessing to you and to others. Now let's go to Luke chapter 1 verse 26 because... This whole story about a life of revision is perfect in this, what we would call Christmas story with Mary. Uh, it's found in Luke chapter 1 verse 26. I'm going to read it. It's a lot of reading here, but then we're going to jump into the point that I want to make. It says, and in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. To a virgin, a spouse to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came to her and said, Hail, thou art hardly favored, and the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying. And she cast in her mind what manner of greeting this should be. Verse 30. And the angel said to her, Fear not, Mary, for you have found favor with who? With God, and behold, you shall conceive in your womb and bring forth the son, and you shall call his name what class? Jesus, and Jesus shall be great. He shall be called the son of the highest, and the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then Mary said unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel said unto her, The Holy Ghost will come upon you, and the power of the highest shall overshadow you. Therefore this holy thing which shall be born of you shall be called the Son of God. And behold your cousin Elizabeth, she has also conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren, for with God nothing shall be impossible. So let me stop here. Let me just stop here and just point something out. Notice that John the Baptist was Jesus' cousin. Did y'all see that? Okay, notice too that John the Baptist was six months older than Jesus. Do you recognize that? So the, the easiest way to, to, to really determine when Jesus was born, and I've gone through this before, and I just want to point out to new people, there is a way to find out when Jesus was born, the time frame, because all you have to do is find out when John the Baptist was born and put six months on that, and it'll tell you when Jesus was born. And if you do your research, you'll find out Jesus was born in the month of September. Hello. Now, there's nothing wrong with us celebrating him in December. Because some of y'all, y'all, y'all do y'all birthday celebrations for like three months. <laughs> well, at least you celebrated it. So look in verse 38. And Mary said, Behold, your handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. What a story. Everybody say, what a story. Now, from my perspective, 
God was finally ready to do this new thing that he had prophesied over years that a virgin was going to birth. A son shall come. His name shall be called Emmanuel. He had been prophesying over and over. Years, years had gone by. And finally now, what God had prophesied was coming. He decided to use a teenage girl named Mary to have his son. And if you notice, it was shocking news to Mary. Did y'all notice that? And see, when we read that, sometimes I don't think we understand that Mary probably had plans for her life. I don't think being, uh, you know, a, a, a mother as a teenager was part of that plan. And when God comes, sometimes now you got to do a revision for your life. And at that point, Mary had a decision to make. Am I going to try to do life as usual or do what I want to do with my life? I have goals for my life. I have dreams for my life. I know what I want to do with my life. Let me just say this. If what you want to do with your life is not connected with what God wants to do with your life, you're going to end up a frustrated individual. Amen. And I'm going to say something kind of tough. Look at your neighbor and say, this is kind of tough. Until you live a surrendered life, you will never experience the more than abundant life. I'm going to say that again. Until you live a surrendered life, you will never experience the more than abundant life. See, you can experience life. That's what the world has. But Jesus didn't, didn't, he didn't come to just give us life. He said, I came that you may have life and that more abundantly. But the only way that's going to happen is you got to surrender. And surrendering to Jesus is not a one-time thing. It's an everyday thing, and it's a lifetime thing. Amen. And sometimes God's new things requires us thinking new inside of our head. Jesus put it like this in Mark chapter 2, verse 22. And no man puts new wine into old bottles. Either the new wine will burst the bottles and the wine is spilled and the bottles will be marred. But new wine must be put in new bottles. In other words, God's new thing requires new revision. When God asked me to preach his word, it wasn't on my checklist or bucket list to do. I'll never forget when I was in college, I got saved at 20. You know, I was really excited about the Lord and the things of the Lord. But, uh, but my dream in life was to be a successful business person. That's what I wanted to do. And so I'll never forget, I stood up on the campus that I was going to school at. And I said, Lord, I'm going to be the best businessman for you. I don't ever want to preach, though. How many, hear, how many know he didn't hear the second part of that prayer? That... So I had to do a revision. Everybody say a revision. A revision. Mary had to do a revision for her life. And in the days to come, I believe God is going to do some new things in your life. And it is going to require for you to do a revision. Oh, you might have to go back and scratch out some things that you wanted to do. Uh, well, you know, he may put on your heart, it's time to go back to school. And, but, 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 but God, I just had a baby. Like he don't know that. Hello? Uh, well, uh, you know, God may say, well, uh, I want you to work two jobs. Two jobs? Well, I don't want to work two jobs. But you don't even know why he wants you to work two jobs. You might have to go and just 
Take a eraser. How many know uh, back in the day we used to use pencils? I know we use iPads and all that. But back in the day, we used to use pencils. Young people, a pencil is something wood that has lead at the end of it with an eraser on the top. And whenever you messed up, what'd you do? You just erased it and you rewrote what you wrote wrong back, right? You wrote it again, right, right? Well, some of you, God is going to challenge you because he's ready to do some new things. And the only way he's going to do it, you got to renew your mind and you got to do a revision for your life. Amen. Here's the deal. One of the reasons I'm sharing this message is because many of you have been under my teaching for a while. And you've seen first, firsthand, God's prosperity in your life. You know, you came here and you desired to want to own a home. Now you got your home. You came here, you had a desire, you wanted to start a business. Now you got the business. You came here and you couldn't have a baby because the doctor told you to. We lay hands on you and pray with you. Now you don't now have just one baby. Now you got two miracle babies. Amen. You came here and, you know, you had to pray to get to work. Prayed to get to church because your car was raggedy. Now you got new cars and done paid them off. How many know God has done some things in your life here? Amen. He's done some things. But here's the problem. What does vision in your life look like when God has pretty much done everything you wanted? I'm going to say that again. What does vision for your life looks like when God has already done most of what you wanted him to do? That's the problem. Vision for your life can't just be about you because once God has done it, you are no good to nobody or him. Anytime God wants to do something new, it is always going to include people and he's going to use you to do it. Amen. Vision in life that is only about us would be a life of selfishness, self-serving, and stinginess. And that's why you need to revision. Everybody say revision. You have to revision your life. And if you don't revision your life, things will become stagnant. So how do we apply this message? Here's number one. You can write these down. How do you apply this message of, of revision for your life? You must, number one, be open to what God is wanting to do. You must be open. You say, well, how do, how do I be open, Pastor? Just say, Lord, I'm open. I'm open to whatever you want me to do. Here's number two. You must be spiritually discerning to perceive what he's wanting to do. Everybody say spiritually discerning. Second Corinthians nine, uh, second Corinthians two verse nine says, but as it is written, eyes have not seen, nor have ears heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man, the things which God has prepared for them that love him. Most people stop there, but he tells us uh, in verse 10, but God has revealed those things that he wants to give us by his spirit. Why? Because the spirit searches all things. Yes, the deep things of God. For what knows a man, the things of a man, except the spirit of the man that is in him. Even so, the things of God, no man can know. But the Spirit of God knows. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us by God. In other words, if you're going to discern the things that God wants to do new in your life, you're going to have to be spiritually sensitive. And the best way to do that is stay in prayer, speak in tongues as much as you can, and stay in the Word. I'm going to say that again. Because see, it's not popular now to get in the Word. What's popular now is to watch somebody tell you the Word. 
Oh, oh, oh. I'm going to say that again. See, it's not popular now to get in the word. What's popular is to tell some, let somebody tell you about the word. Well, you got the spirit of God on the inside. There's some things he wants to say to you. You got to get in the book. Okay, I'm just trying to tell you. I'm trying to tell you. Here's number three. You must say yes because he will never use you beyond your permission. I'm going to say it again. I know, you know, the old school guy going to do what he want to do. No, he won't. Because he's not only, he's not going to bypass your will. So when God wants to do something new, he needs your permission and your participation. That's why in verse 38 it says, and Mary said, be it unto me according to your word. Here's number four. God will always confirm this new thing through his word, whether it's spoken or read, by his spirit or through credible others. Amen. Here's number five. Number five, You have to begin to verbalize with your mouth that God is going to do a new thing in your life so your faith activates this promise. Begin to open up your mouth. Father, I thank you that you've already said you're going to do a new thing in my life and I receive it in Jesus' name. You got to begin to call those things that be not as though they were. God has made you in his image. Anytime he wanted to create something, he said something. So if you want a new thing to start happening in your life, you just need to open up your mouth and say, Father, I thank you for new things starting to happen. And then here's the last one. You must take bold steps of obedience with what you know to do. I'll close with this story right here real quick. I'm working in corporate America. I'm, I'm only two, there are only two young black managers in this big old company, and I was one of them. I'll never forget the, the uh, vice president of human resources pulled me aside one day and said, uh, Eben, we have marked you, and we're going to elevate you. Just keep doing what you're doing. You already have a, a, a spot at the top. I was like, praise the Lord. So I'm working. I go on a missions trip with the church that I was a part of, and I'm at this school called Caribbean Christ for the Nations. And while I'm on campus at this school, God tells me he wants me to go to school there. Well, I didn't like that. I'm single. I'm making good money. I got a great job. I ain't trying to mess my life up. And while I'm at school, because... I didn't read nothing in the Bible that said, hey, thou shalt go to Bible school. Wow. I didn't hear that. He put it right in here. Evan, I want you to go. I want you to go to this school right here. Well, if you don't find it in the word, I mean, if he speaks directly from it, God will confirm it. Well, my pastor who was on the trip with me said, hey, God just told me he wants you to go to school here. I'm like, hot dog. I don't know how I'm going to get out of this one. My point, church, I had to do a revision for my life. I already had what I thought I wanted to do. But God already knew what he wanted me to do. And let me say this to you. What he wants you to do will always have what you want to have in it. I'm going to say that again. What he wants you to do will already have what you want to have in it. Because I didn't know at the time, but when I went to school there, that's where I found my wife. The person I was praying for all my life. The person I was saving myself for all my life. The, per- the person I was believing God for all my life. She was, watch this, she was in the revision. 
What is God saying to you today? With every head bowed and every eye closed. There are some people God wants you to do a revision. Father, I thank you for the word that has been sown in the hearts of your people. And Father, I prophetically release the new things that you have already started doing. And I pray that we will have eyes to hear, hearts to discern, to know exactly what you're doing. And Father, even if we don't see the big picture, whatever steps we need to take, just reveal the steps and we'll take them in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, wherever your head's still bowed, if you die today, here's my question. Are you sure?